Welcome to Elementary Talks. Today I got to interview Brian Jackson, the Chief Marketing Officer at Kinsta. We talked about how to better rank yourself on Google, how to choose the right marketing channels, and the potential multilingual sites have in generating traffic. Hey Brian, we're really excited to have you here. Cool, yeah. Yeah, excited to be here. So I'd like to start by asking about kind of your story, how you got to where you are. And so your journey goes through working with clients and being a freelancer and uh, eventually ending up with Kinsta. Can you share a bit about your uh, journey? Originally, out of college, I worked IT, actually. So actually, for the first like six or seven years of my career, I was in the IT industry. But I had always been doing internet marketing kind of on the sides and then in the evening. And eventually I decided IT was just not, I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. It's quite stressful and the hours are long and the pay is not always that great either. So, and the corporate lifestyle just was, I, I knew I didn't, I didn't want to do that anymore. You're not an office person. Yeah, not an office person. I've done the cubicle thing and just, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this till I'm 50. You know, this is just not going to work. Um, yeah. And so I decided to kind of take a leap. I had always done stuff on the web. And so I was, I was really familiar with making websites and all sorts of stuff. And so I interviewed kind of for a um, SEO job and got accepted for the position there. And then I started kind of doing SEO, PPC on an everyday basis for different clients around the Arizona area here in the States. Just because after doing that for a while, kind of decided I don't like just doing PPC and SEO like for different clients, just because it's kind of like a grind. Um, yeah. it's, the, it's the same old thing over and over and over. And also you don't really feel like you're building, building something. You're really you're juggling, just, yeah. yeah I, I did it the same like yeah. 10 years ago. You're going through the emotions, but like at the end of the day, you don't feel like you've really done much. <laughs> and so I decided to, you know, look like, what do I like to do? And at that point, you know, we had been using WordPress and everything for all of our clients. So, you know, I was really familiar with WordPress. I was like, maybe I can get closer into the WordPress space. And I really liked the SEO part of the job, not the pay-per-click part. So I was like, maybe I can get more into the content marketing aspect, but still use WordPress. So I kind of looked for different jobs in that area. Eventually I connected with uh, KeyCDN, which is a content delivery network. I think it was actually back on the, when inbound.org had their job board. I don't think they have that anymore, but mm -hmm. um, I think I connected with them through there. Kind of did a Skype interview. Things went good. We kind of uh, hit it off and uh, started working for KeyCDN for a couple of years. Was doing lots of writing, lots of writing. Um, I would say 90% of my day was spent probably doing writing. And a lot of that was in the web development industry. So we touched a lot of on WordPress stuff as well, but we also touched on other aspects, which to be honest, I don't enjoy that much. I really love pretty much just anything WordPress. I, I really love. So, so you um, learned it on the go? On the on WordPress? You mean? The, the content you wrote for Kisi. Oh, yeah. I... I guess I have an act for that. I just, I like to learn new stuff as I write it. So like, if you can give me a topic, I'll go out there, do the research, figure out even if I need to learn how it works and figure out how to write a topic about it. I kind of view each article as like a little challenge and I don't know, I really enjoy that for some reason. Yeah, and then you created Upwork, right? Was that? Uh, uh, oh, WorkUp? WorkUp, sorry. Yeah, so WorkUp kind of happened uh, 
kind of when I was back at the agency doing the client work, workup was my project kind of in the evenings. <laughs> that was what I did kind of for fun. And so I'm a big nerd. Anyone that knows me, it's all, you know, tell you that I'm the biggest nerd they know. <laughs> um, I have a, I have trouble stopping myself from working. And so I, I just really love, love writing. And so I was doing that every evening, you know, writing stuff about WordPress, writing about plugins, about SEO, um, and even stuff I was learning at work, you know, new marketing strategies and techniques. And so, yeah, I was blogging there quite a bit. And then when I went over to KeyCDN, that kind of helped actually right there because I could kind of tie in what I had learned there with what I was doing at KeyCDN. And while I loved my time at KeyCDN, I was still longing to work closer with WordPress because I, I just love the community. And so at that point in time, this was probably back in oh, late 2015, I think, I was actually a Keensta client. I actually was hosting my workup site on Keensta and I kind of connected with the CEO, Mark, and their CFO, Tom, at the time on Skype. And at the time they were smaller. So we kind of Skype, like chatting on Skype was not a, it's not a normal thing we do now, you know, with clients, <laughs> but they were still kind of in the startup phase back then. We got to be friends kind of, and somehow a conversation came up, you know, saying like, oh man, I would love to just write about, you know, WordPress all day long kind of a thing. Like a love affair. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it really was a match made in heaven. And since I was already hosting with them, I already loved the product because I had bounced between dozens of different hosts because I'm, you know, working at KeyCDN, I, I kind of got very obsessed with web performance, like a lot more obsessed than probably anyone I know. <laughs> and so that was like a big thing. speed and, and uh, upload time and all those. Yeah, upload time and you know, TTFB and latency, you know, down to the milliseconds. I, if I can shave off 20 milliseconds, I'll do it. Like it's I, yeah. very overly obsessed with it. But yeah, so I, you know, Kingston was still in the startup phase, but I, I could tell they were going to do something really great in the industry and connected with them. And yeah, kind of match made in heaven, went from there. They decided to hire me um, on as their um, inbound marketer. And then about two years later here, I'm now the chief marketing officer at Keensta. So that's kind of the story there. Well, I have to say that our journeys are eerily similar. <laughs> really? <laughs> because I also started as an SEO manager and I also was a client of Pojo, which is the, the company that created the Elementor. And then we hit it off and I went on board. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. How was the transition from working in an office to working at home? Like, how do you, uh, I mean, I know it's a challenge for a lot of our users, like working at home has many advantages uh, and the, the biggest hurdle I would say is the, the sociability that you get in the office, meeting people every day. So how do you deal with that and how do you stay social? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good question, actually. Um, funny thing is, I think me moving to Arizona helped a little bit. Um, cause when I moved out here, I actually, I didn't know a single person out here. I, I, I lived in Washington state before, very rainy and cloudy all the time. And I just wanted, you know, I wanted, you know, the sun and I wanted the heat. And so I packed up everything I had and just moved down here to Arizona on a whim kind of a thing. So after that, I think, um, I, since I didn't really know anyone here, I, I just had to start forming new relationships from scratch kind of a thing. And I would say working in the office definitely has its pros and cons. Like you said, cons there's a lot of interruptions, which you don't get at home if, yeah. unless you are distracted. Um, that could be another problem. But yeah, I think I keep in touch with a lot of my friends from college too. You know, 
every Friday night, we, uh, we actually all play Xbox online together. We have one night a week where we, tur- we, we all shut off everything and we play Xbox for like six hours straight. <laughs> And, you know, all of us live in different states now. We're all, you know, the, uh, lots of them have kids. So we actually schedule our Xbox time, which is kind of sad. But, it, you know, that's the reality when people have families. And so, yeah, that's that's one way I stay social. Um, my brother and I are very pretty close to we probably Skype call every other day. Um, he's actually a WordPress developer. So we have, you know, we kind of work in the similar industries. But I will tell you, I'll be completely honest. I spend a lot of time sitting in my apartment. <laughs> So, I, well, I think it's also uh, something that has to do with your personality. If you're introvert, uh, extrovert, how you prefer to 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 manage your time, and how you, uh, I also, I'm 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 good uh, alone. I'm I like to to spend time alone reading and, yeah. But yeah, uh, I I do too. I I've never been bored in my life. Like so, I know exactly. Yeah, uh, you know, my brother would be the opposite of that. He'll tell you like he gets bored all the time. It's just, you know, different personalities and yeah, it's just, I always have projects I'm working on and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much going nonstop till I hit the bed. So, yeah. Uh, so let's talk a bit more about that. Like, uh, can you tell a bit how you manage to do SEO and, and marketing for Kinsta? Like what, what's the, what are the channels and uh, give us the, the, the details. Oh, you want the, yeah, the details. Um, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. What do I do? Um, so uh, when I first joined Kinsta, I would say, you know, most 85, 90% of the time was spent writing. Now that I've moved into kind of the chief marketing officer position, uh, I do a lot of other tasks too. So I don't do as much writing, but I always have like, I always push out, you know, a couple articles a week at least to try to get out there. My daily routine, you know, consists of writing, research, um, going back and forth with emails for people in the, like the WordPress industry, kind of forming relationships with Keensta, um, and what maybe what we can do to help each other. And then yeah, I do a lot of keyword research too, cause I'm pretty analytical. I like the data side of SEO a lot. And so we use a tool called AccuRanker, uh, which we use to keep track of our keyword rankings. Um, and so we monitor that quite a bit. People will say, you know, maybe keywords are dead, but I can, I can tell you that is not true at all. I think in, until Google moves beyond being just a, a robot that's scanning for data, you know, it's it's always going to rely on keywords to some some extent. Yeah. Plus I think there's an aspect to keyword research that is actually getting into the minds of your of your visitors and what they are looking for. So if you're doing a, an article about site speed and then you find that one of the keywords is I don't know pingdom versus uh, forgot the name of the other tool, yeah, like uh, then GT you know you to write about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, um, like looking up the search volume around a keyword can be helpful. And, you know, a lot of it has moved to more like topics, I think nowadays, but keywords still drive the topics. Um, and even sometimes just changing to like a synonym of the word that you might, you might think that does well, but change it to something similar that has search volume can make night and day difference as far as how well the article does like in Google. So what's the trade-off in terms of when is it enough, would you say, to let's say I'm doing a huge article and I want to cover it, cover everything, but there's some point, there's some terms that I'm going to either merge or disregard. So how do you keep the, the, the balance there? The balance? As far as like keywords in the article itself? 
Yeah, um, like uh, subtopics and and so on. So yeah, I, usually when I do keyword research, if, especially for the bigger articles, you know, I'll definitely spend more time. Um, I'll usually look up, you know, four or five keywords, you know, like the main topic or main keyword that, you know, obviously that's probably in the title and stuff and the meta description and stuff like that. And then the a couple headers that maybe also have some search volume, not as not as much, but you know, there's you know some search volume out there. And then after looking up that, I kind of craft the article around the search volume and then obviously write it for the user, but still being smart about, you know, is there, are people actually looking for this online? And then as far as the, you know, keywords in the article themselves, if you get into like a 10,000 word article at that point, you know, I don't use, I don't use like the Yoast focus keyword anymore. I, I just leave that mm. blank now. I, you know, I used yeah, when I first started doing SEO, I was always inputting those fields and stuff like that. Nowadays, I think once you write enough, you kind of get a flow for mentioning a keyword more naturally throughout an article, and so you don't always need to be so obsessed about you know checking to make sure. Oh, I, I mentioned the keyword, you know, ten times in my ten thousand word article. It, it becomes less important, and I think just writing more naturally is is the more important. Part. And I think Google would probably definitely agree with that as well. I, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask most of our interviews interviews uh, for some reason. A lot of our users are jack of all trades. And in your, uh, I mean, you, you have the focus on doing the keyword ranking, but sometimes the freelancer or the, the agency, they juggle a lot of um, tasks that they have to, to cope with. So how would you integrate SEO in content marketing without you know stopping the writing and doing it in an integrated way you know sure yeah so and we do outsource some articles if you go on the keensta blog um, once in a while you'll see some random author names in the in the bylines um and you know those are articles that you know we've chatted with you know the author or we know them or how somehow we've connected and say hey you want to write something for us and we're like cool you know let's do it and what we normally do at least our workflow has been um, like they'll write up the article. We'll kind of look at it, you know, in Google Docs and say like, "Hey, yeah, that looks good." But then I'll actually take the article myself and kind of put my own spin on it. I guess you could say I'll go through add mm-hmm. images myself um, and then actually add in more content. Maybe add stuff in that I've learned myself. And um, we use Trello. Let's see, Trello, Google Docs. I think are the two main tools that we use with like guest post authors. And then, yeah, I, I, the thing is with when you're outsourcing, I'm not going to lie for at least the way we do it, there's still a lot of time involved editing if you, if you want it to be really good. Because I think once you have a site and you have a certain flow for your content, if you just randomly outsource to anybody, I don't care who it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come off really sounding a lot different than your own stuff. Yeah. And so I think taking yeah. a little time to at least just edit the article, you know, editing a... 5,000 word article uh, definitely doesn't take as long as writing it from scratch. So outsourcing definitely saves us a lot of time and that's why we do it. We still get a lot more great content that maybe we wouldn't have thought of ourselves even. We just make sure to always spend time improving it before we hit that publish button. Yeah, I heard a a recent podcast of the Authority Hacker and they uh, mentioned a a good key point is before you outsource the article, write like 10 articles yourself like so you can tell the freelancer okay this is uh, what the kind of articles you should be handing in 
So they have, uh, I mean, you're the best producer of your own uh, uh, content. Yeah. So I think it's that's a good guideline to follow. And I, I think that, like you mentioned, editing the, the article after it's handed in is also very important. So you can, I mean, it's your site. So uh, so you need to make sure it's it's uh, up to your uh, brand. You know? Yeah. And yeah, the, the article idea is great. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a brilliant idea. And also, I would definitely say, don't go cheap uh, on writers. You know, for what we've done at Kinsta, we always do, we always um, connect with other like, kind of, I guess you could say like full-time writers in the WordPress space. There's a lot of those kind of writers out there. Sometimes it takes a little while to find them. But when you do, um, I'm sure you know, like Colin is one. You see yeah, kind of him everywhere. I wouldn't say there's a lot. There's <laughs> there's like five yeah, good ones. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say anything about good or bad. Brenda and Colin <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah um, and, and Carol. Kay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you see them everywhere, and like it, it's definitely worth paying them. They're worth what they charge. Like it's it's definitely worth what they charge. Oh, definitely. Um, and some of them I even put, think they should they put their heart in their in their work. Oh yeah, for sure. And the cool thing is that since they do it so much, they really know like all the stuff that's happening, even with new plugins that just came out, like Colin comes up with stuff I didn't even know was happening sometimes in an article we've done with him because I'm so busy with other stuff. I didn't even know it happened yet. <laughs> so it's, you yeah. won't find that with writers from like, you know, just cheap freelance writing sites. So, yeah, we found also that it's very hard to, to find the writers, uh, the writers that, that work for us. We try to keep them satisfied and happy because they <laughs> they're very valuable to us so y- you mentioned also editing the content and i think on our blog we have certain um, i would say embellishments of a blog post that are critical and are actually saved as globals so it, they're easily dragged and dropped so i can mention some of them like a quote we have several uh, you know quotes that you can uh, click to tweet like the, the shadow for images and videos and so what is the role of uh, of these type of, of content in SEO today and content marketing today? No, yeah, that's a, that's a good, that's actually an interesting topic. I'm going to drop because, and I'm sure Elementor plugin makes that actually easier too. dragging yeah. and dropping this stuff. I, I think for myself, I do kind of the same thing. Like I'll always include like a, like a tweet box that people can click on, which I highly recommend everybody does because I'm actually still surprised by how many people click them even today so yeah i definitely recommend adding little things like that in there like have a template for your article kind of a thing yeah i i recently also talked with uh, team sulu from uh, hrefs oh cool and he mentioned that they used to produce they produced long articles and when they researched it they found that when they broke broke it down with illustrations and like embellishments of that sort then they got a lot more traffic because, and I think it makes sense because users that hit on a page and see like, you know, 5,000 words without uh, all text, it's it's pretty hard to, to read. And if you're in an industry like SEO or I don't know, uh, something that is not visual like photography, then it's hard to match illustrations. And I think uh, web uh, web designers and, uh, and content writers are finding new ways to... to to find the right imagery, even for the most boring topics, you know, like uh, brain surgery. I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think even doing things like we just redesigned the Kinsta blog a couple of weeks ago and we got rid of our sidebar, you know, which is kind of a, where everything is kind of going. 
And it's, yeah. it's mainly just to focus on the content, which I think is important. But we also added um, lots of margin and padding to our headers. So like I was actually just looking right now, but like our, our H2 headers have an almost 100 pixel margin between where the content starts and stops above each header. It's actually quite big, but I think it actually helps. It does help break up the article more. So I think just adding more white space in between paragraphs and um, and headers can do actually quite a bit. Yeah, and let's talk a bit about content marketing as opposed to strictly SEO. So it seems like it's getting more crucial to to involve like your audience, communicate with your audience. Actually, for this, I, I have a few questions lined up that came from uh, our our Facebook group. So how do you how do you see that? in terms of your own content marketing, like when you're, it's not anymore like researching and writing the content, but it's also now involving the community, involving influencers. How do you see that in the, the future and currently? In yeah, no, I can, maybe I'll answer. I can tell you the different ways I come up with the topics for my articles. One is uh, we always share what we learn. So I think anybody in whatever business they're doing, like always share what you learn because you're always going to learn stuff no matter what what industry it is. Just share that online. I think it's important. That's yeah. that's one type of content we share. And then another type is actually um, content that our team wants. And us being in the WordPress hosting space, it's probably it might be easier than others because we actually get lots of you know support tickets that end up turning into, hey, the support team's pinging me saying, hey, we should do an article about this. And I'm like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> and so that goes yeah, instantly into yeah. my Trello board for, oh, yeah, we need to write something about that. So that's another way from your team, I guess you could say, is another good way to get feedback um, and content ideas. And then I think from your users, like you were mentioning, is the third way I get ideas. And a couple ways I actually do this is one of them is through comments. So I manually approve every single comment that goes on the Keensta blog, which is actually quite a bit of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We obviously, we really filter know. out the spam, obviously, but all even just moderating the human <laughs> stuff is a lot of work. And the, the reason I do that, though, is for two reasons. One is for if you have good quality comments on your articles, it will actually help your SEO because it's going to add more content that Google can read that's related to the topic on the page. And you get, mo most comments are short, but sometimes you instantly, you, you suddenly get, you know, a, a page long exactly. comment yeah. from someone who's a bit too involved in your product. But well, those uh, are the people I actually, I would say I used to hate as a blogger, but I now love as a content writer because first of all, oh, yeah. they add stuff to the article for me, basically. They're, they're pretty much helping me, my SEO for free. And second, a lot of times they'll have you know one or two good pieces of feedback, which instantly will go into a Trello like idea card on my board for hey that was something you know I didn't think of in the article let's do something let's write something about that and yeah if you comment like thanks or something I will immediately delete that and I will not let that through um, but so yeah I think from the users is another important aspect and actually I think the fourth good way we've seen to get content is. If you have a like a frequently asked questions page on your site or a knowledge base, we mm -hmm. built our developer built a little um, like, do you have feedback for this article? Like, was it good or bad? 
if they click bad, it actually mm-hmm. opens up a box where they can say, you know, here's what was wrong with the article. And I get so many good ideas from that. Like it's, it's unbelievable. It's oh, unbelievable wow. how many good ideas I get from that. And I actually spend hours per week improving our knowledge base articles just based on things that, you know, I'm so involved that I don't always think of everything when I'm writing stuff. And yeah, so that's another one. If you have a knowledge base, definitely put on a, like a, a feedback tool that allows you to actually gra- gather some content after they hit that no- yes or no. That, that's definitely a takeaway. I'm writing this down because <laughs> that's a good takeaway for, for, uh, yeah, for it, myself. You'll see it. I mean, it's huh. amazing. I have a whole Trello board just, just for that now because I, we get so many good quality uh, feedback that way. So. so, you know, there are, I mean, it's, it's a lot more competitive today, SEO, than it was, and content marketing than it was years ago. And I think the reason is that for every keyword, you're competing with big brands that uh, are either, you know, they can be total, totally SEO oriented or they can do uh, a variety of, of, of content. So how do you deal with that if you're, a, if you're not a big brand? If you're, how do you deal with freelancer or an agency? How do you deal with that and, and create content? Like what's the, the advantage that you can bring that the big agency or the big, the big brand can't have? Um, I think two ways because um, I kind of do this on a workup. Um, you know, I'm competing against a lot of other WordPress blogs and I don't blog on there that often, but things tend to rank pretty well. And I think it's bec- one of, I think it's a couple reasons. Um, one is because I share things that I learn. So I, 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 I came back, I'm coming back to this again, as I mentioned earlier, but if you share things you learn that other people might not know for ways, it seems to just do really, really well in Google. People are always searching for ways to fix problems in, in any industry. And then I would say, maybe um, don't focus on the the quantity. If you don't have a lot of time, focus on the 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 quality. So blog post. You know, if if you can only write one blog post per month, you know, make it like a ten thousand word blog post, and that and that'd be it. Don't try to do like, you know, five or six different blog posts. I would say just focus on a longer blog post. Google yeah, definitely wants to see that you're like pushing out content, but um. I don't think it matters as much as as the content itself. So, are you uh, are you updated with the the eat update? The what? Uh, oh, E-A-T? yeah, E-A-T yeah, up? yeah. I think this has something. Yeah, to do it with does. It. Um, and I'm actually kind of scared to see where SEO goes like ten years from now because it's almost to the point where nowadays you almost have to write these massive articles to compete. And, you know, <laughs> 10 years from now, we might be writing 30,000 word articles just to compete. That's what I'm scared about. Yeah, um, yeah that's... And I've seen it even, even in the two, three years I've been at Keensta, like I'm, I'm constantly writing more and more content. I'm increasing the content length. And so it, it will be interesting to see where that goes um, from here on out. But if you're just starting like right now, starting to write, I would just say focus, you know, write good, long articles, try to include stuff that you learn. Um, you should see pretty good results that way. My input here would be that an article is not done once it's done. I mean, getting more information from your community, from users, from your clients about how can I improve this article and add what can I add to it? 
that's something that you can always come back to a previous article and try to help it rank if you if if it you know exactly it actually it's funny you bring that up because I was talking to someone about the very topic earlier today and that's the one reason we actually track keywords is so we can test it actually right away so I'll give you an example of an article that we did like last week um, we had a we had a bunch of old content that was still we're still going through from before I even came on to Kinsta they had published a lot of stuff before I started and so I've slowly been looking at that saying like is there search volume around this if there is let's cue it for a, a rewrite as I call it and we'll take the Anything that's good in the existing article will take any good pieces of content and then we'll add about you know four thousand words onto the article with the existing stuff we'll take a look mm-hmm. at the other SEO parts like is the slug short you know and you know kind of nice for SEO because a lot of times you'll come into companies and see that they didn't think about SEO when they first published stuff and if it isn't you know rewrite it republish it you know write us do a shorter slug. 301 it to the new slug and I've seen time and time yeah. again the rewrite we just did last week it jumped from page four on Google to page one on Google overnight and the keywords had um, trying to remember I think they were up in the 2,000 searches a month volume so that's a it's a pretty big win for just overnight um, obviously it took work to improve the article but if you just keep repeating that you can just keep seeing you wins over and over and over like that how do you how do you deal with the marketing a fomo like you know we have so many channels that we can you know tap on and as a marketer a content marketer you're always missing out on 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 things you're not covering things and so how do you first how do you deal with that and how do you decide what to what channels you do um, yeah I, that that's actually a tough one i don't think anyone will ever say they're like an expert at that just because marketing is it's just it's changing almost every day it's just crazy and then you know as as far as SEO goes Google is constantly you know pushing out algorithm updates and all sorts of other stuff you got to deal with so sometimes your traffic is going up and down based on different stuff but I think finding the channels that work for you is just is trial and error I think when you first start out un- unfortunately I, I don't think you can say like You know Pinterest is going to be awesome for you so go do Pinterest and not do Twitter I think you just have to try them and see which one works because I've had networks work for me that I didn't think were gonna work but they actually worked really well and then the opposite has happened where I thought something was gonna work and it just backfired on me <laughs> what what did um, you do that work I, I will tell like you LinkedIn I have not had good success more. on LinkedIn I don't know why because I know a lot of our customers are on there and Um, and I connect with a lot of people on LinkedIn, but I just haven't had good success as far as like generating leads or good quality conversations. Twitter is my go-to and I've, I've created so many mm-hmm. Twitter um, friends on there, like even met people for coffee in real life. So I've signed up enterprise hosting clients all from Twitter direct messages. Like we don't even chat, we just DM and then they sign up. Like Twitter, I love Twitter. It's my favorite social network for sure. But I think you yeah. have to find... The one that works for you because I know I know tons of guys that do they kill it on LinkedIn so so one of the questions that, that some one of our users asked was about multilingual sites that's also a huge potential uh, channel I, I heard in another interview that you have experience with that so uh, sure yeah can you share a bit about it 
So right now, we I think we started about, it's probably about a year ago, we started diving into the, the multilingual stuff because we wanted to tap into other markets, basically. Um, you know, Kinsta is actually, the, the founding team at Kinsta is actually out of Budapest, Hungary. So, you know, they're very European and used to that market. But, you know, they're actually, when they started out, they were targeting the U.S. market because that's, you know, a lot where a lot of the money is, is in the U.S. market. And so, yeah. you know, they're targeting a market that might be not what, what they're used to, I guess you could say. Um, but they knew that there's all these other, you know, awesome European clients that they weren't going to hit that way. So, you know, we decided to first branch out into Spanish. And just fast forward really fast, we actually now have 13 languages going on our site. Um, so you can actually read Kingston oh, wow. 13 languages. Native. The way we got there was we actually ended up finding different native translators and kind of hiring them on a like a like an hourly basis. Um, and you can find them on like sites like Upwork and you know the freelance sites. I, th I would say translators are easier to find than like good writers because you just need to find one that like, you know, make sure like they have a degree and stuff like that. That makes it easier to make sure their, you know, the grammar and stuff is just going to be good. Mm. But if you hire one for each language specific, I think that's the way you get the quality. I'm not a big fan of the auto translate stuff. I, th I think people usually pick up on it and will see that it's not maybe translated correctly. And I think that's just it. Yeah, it, yeah, it does hurt, hurt your branding. Your branding. And I know there's awesome plugins there. there like, uh, what is it? Wiglet? Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> uh, Wiglet or <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're doing amazing stuff in the translation space and they're growing like crazy because they're providing, you know, almost an instant way to translate your site, which is, which is awesome. Because a lot of people, you know, some people don't have the resources or the money to go out there and hire translators or the time, because it takes a lot of time. So, you know, that's a good first step, I would say. But if you want to take it even further, take the time to find the translators that are native speakers and then work with them. You have to kind of figure out your own workflow as far as like, you know, we published a blog in English on our site. We want to take that now, give it to the translator and publish it in German. So we use a lot of Trello. Um, there's some other tools we use, but yeah, it's, I would say that's kind of chaos until you find out what works <laughs> for your own stuff. And does this generate oh, yeah. traffic? Like, uh, Sorry, yeah, that's probably the most important part. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, it definitely, definitely generates a lot of traffic. I think I can tell you after we've launched so many, uh, something we, we might have re, we might have looked at more before we went so fast was there were certain languages we thought were going to do better like organically. And other ones actually did better than we expected, if that makes sense. So certain regions just like yeah. took off, others were slow and we were like, but there's more search volume in this one. Why is this one doing worse? So I think there's a lot of different factors in play there because you know some could be, maybe there's more competition in that region than you thought originally. So your articles are gonna take longer to rank in that language, or maybe, your product isn't as popular as you think it with those, with that native language. So there's a lot of, I, I would say it's good to actually do some research beforehand. Like, you know, talk with people who live over there. I can't think of any good ways right now because we did it the wrong way going started out, I think, but I would definitely yeah. say like, if you can 
spend some time on the initial part before you just start out, like say like, you know, oh, everybody speaks Spanish. Let's just jump on Spanish right away. Like, don't, don't do it that way. I don't think. I think if for a company that's in Hungary, it's a good thing to start on Hungarian. Well, and, and that's see, that's funny way. that you mentioned that because we, we don't have Hungarian language for our site. <laughs> so we have 12 languages oh. and Hungarian <laughs> isn't one of them. Um, and I think some of that is because of the volume. Uh, we, we have tried to focus on what we know will be volume, but like I said, some of it's fallen short and other things have been wins. So it's, it's, it's kind of trial and error, I say with that as well. But I would say with the language stuff, if you just keep pushing at it, you'll definitely see results. And I would definitely say wait six months before you expect anything like crazy to happen. Like you definitely need a lot of your stuff translated and building up, you know, links and traffic and social shares and stuff like that before you expect to see anything. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, final notes, like what are the things that you're currently working on in Kinsta? Um, one thing we just launched, which we were really excited about was our multi-user interface. This is something we've been working on for a while now because we work with a lot of agencies and bigger companies. And so, you know, we'll have clients that have, they host like hundreds of different sites with us and they needed ways to, you know, delegate, you know, I want to give the developer, you know, rights to maybe SFTP, but I don't want him to see my billing stuff in the dashboard. So now you can do all mm. sorts of different roles in the dashboard and give different rights. And so we were really proud to, ju we just pushed that out operations last week. So we're excited about that. Right now we're working on a lot of more integrations with our, our CDN. So that's another thing we're excited about. We, we launched our CDN a while back, but we're now adding stuff for analytics. So you can track bandwidth usage, you know, hit cash ratio, all sorts of kind of the more nerdy stuff, but it actually helps when it comes to, you know, troubleshooting and even to billing, it helps because if you, you know, if you have one movie that's just taking all your bandwidth, you know, that's, that's a problem and you need to be able to narrow it down really fast. So right now we're, we're focusing on the language stuff is a big one for us. We actually have someone that's in charge. Daniel is in charge of our global expansion. He's actually in charge of all the different translators. Like that's his job is to oversee all that different stuff because when it comes to 12 different languages, it's, there's so many moving pieces. It's, it's kind of crazy. And a lot of different... These are, this is just the websites or the actual hosting, uh, you know, the, it's the also admin, the admin. And everything so like is also... The, our, that's, that oh. comes at a slower pace for us right now. We are focused a lot on the content because we can see, you know, really fast results that way. But we are, we, our dashboard is actually available. It's completely translated into Spanish. We're working right now on German for the dashboard as well. So we will eventually like have all those 12 languages available in the dashboard as well. And we're also hiring support representatives to provide support as well in those languages. So we, we kind of take it all the way that we can. That's very smart. We also have plans for that. I mean, that's, I know it's a, there's a need for that in any, almost any field that you, almost any yeah, business. For field. sure. Yeah. And yeah, I would definitely, I highly recommend everybody do multilingual stuff, even though it is a lot of work. It's just something you kind of have to, you know, even if you just work on it two hours a week, just make it something in your regular, you know, workflow, be consistent. And eventually you'll start, you know, kind of seeing the results. Well, great, Brian. It was really fun and enlightening talking to you. And I hope we can yeah. do it uh, again soon. So how can people reach you? Or the best way to reach me is probably on Twitter. It's 
Brian Lee Jackson, B-R-I-A-N, or you can just go to the Keensta blog and kind of find all my stuff on there too. Okay, great, Brian. So uh, talk to you soon. Okay, yeah. And uh, Bye. goodbye. Goodbye.